Ladies and gentlemen, he's the samurai of student ministry, the networking ninja, a Jedi master of church budgets, the beast from the southeast, the next-gen nerd himself, CJ! Yay, my nerds. Glad to have you guys back with us. We took a few weeks off for Christmas, but we've got more stuff coming your way. This is the Next Gen Nerd Podcast where we talk about nerd culture and ministry. And so I hope you guys are ready to listen to an episode about Die Hard with my buddy John. He was on episode one with us when we talked about Star Wars, and he was on the college retreat with us, and so we talked about Die Hard. Couple things that are coming up. Number one, I bought some new equipment. Very excited to use it. So the audio quality will be different moving forward. Easier for me to produce some of these podcasts. So excited about that. Number two, I also purchased some new uh, pod decks, which are card decks that kind of help with some uh, interview questions. And so we'll have some fun interviews coming up with that. We also are now available at nextgennerd.com. So we've got a regular URL rather than that long Captivate FM one. Um, so check that out, share it with your friends so they can get the content. A lot of great things coming your way. Love this show. Love you guys. Can't wait to, uh, have more interviews with you guys. And as always, if you want to be on the show, just let me know. So enjoy the talk we have with John about Die Hard. yippee ki guys. I'm here with my buddy, John. John McLean. Yep. Uh, he was on my episode. We talked about Star Wars, uh, actually episode number one. And uh, we're at our college retreat, and I thought it would be fun to get some episodes in. When I did Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. Yes, and so today, John McClain, we're talking about Die Hard. Yippee-ki-yay, mother trucker. Yeah. So uh, you may not be old enough to remember this, but they used to play those movies on uh, on TBS, and so they would, instead of just like cutting the audio out on the expletives, they would like just fill it in with other words and a different voice, and we used to laugh at that movie because... Oh, he, I know what you're talking about. With the movie theater. Yeah, so in the first one, it was yippee-ki-yay-yay, my friend, and yeah. it was like like a different voice. It was like yippee-ki-yay-yay, my friend. Like, it was yeah. a completely different, <laughs> and uh, in the second one, it was yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon, because I guess he was like the villain Mr. Falcon was. Oh my goodness, what was the other one in uh, the third movie? But we used to always laugh, like, oh, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? Because it can't be, you know, it's not the actual word because it's on TBS. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so yippee ki yay my friend. So we're talking about Die Hard. Obviously. I, I asked him, you know, what, what do you want to chat about? We're at our college retreat, and so we're, we're going to squeeze some episodes in while we... It was uh, just Christmas. So it's, I think it's appropriate for the time. It is not a Christmas movie. It is absolutely. It is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> it is the best Christmas okay, movie. Okay, why of all is time. it a Christmas movie? Because it happened on Christmas. It happened on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, in the movie. There's a, there a Christmas party. It was a Christmas party, yes. Except the, the boss of uh, Yakutomi Tower says. It's not really a Christmas party. We're just celebrating a big sale. Well, that's just because he's Asian. He's, he's Asian. <laughs> and they don't celebrate Christmas. But they do celebrate Christmas. I mean, we went to a Chinese restaurant on Christmas, and they definitely were celebrating okay. uh, Christmas. Uh, it's not a Christmas movie. Not all Asians. There's there's you know? no Christmas theme. You could remove Christmas from the entire movie and it's it not make movie. a difference. It wasn't released at Santa Christmas. Santa Claus was in it. It was released in the it summer. It was the background. It was, it was not. It's not a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie. But, you know what? Uh, listen. It was released in the summer? It was released in the summer, yeah. It wasn't even released at Christmas time. Oh, jeez. My whole life is a lie. It is. Uh, and there's no Christmas themes in it, you know? Yeah, there is. What is the theme that's in there? Uh, guns and blood, which <laughs> is red. You were celebrating Christmas <laughs> the wrong way. If guns and blood are part of your Christmas themes. Um, but the red blood. 
Listen, it's a fantastic movie. I'll watch it at Christmas. I'll watch it in March. I'll watch it in September. It doesn't matter. Uh, I can't say the same for other Christmas movies. I think what we should do to settle this matter is have an Instagram poll. An after Instagram this, and okay, to see. I think it's, I think it's a good what idea. What the majority thinks. I think it's a good idea. We we did this last year, uh, and we uh, brought somebody who had never seen Die Hard, and we watched it all together, and we asked them like, "Is this a Christmas movie?" And they were like, "No." What? I know. I know. Um, but that's okay. Even though uh, I don't know that it's a Christmas movie, it's a perfect movie for us to discuss about. And, and, and not just a movie, but I mean, we can talk about all five movies. I'm going to bring in the Die Hard game that I grew up playing. Uh, so it'll be it'll be fun. So tell me your your background with Die Hard. What do you know about Die Hard? I'll be honest. I think the original is the best because that's the only one I've seen. What? It's the uh, only one you've seen? Well, I've seen. Okay, that's a lie. Let me back up. <laughs> a Good Day to Die Hard. Okay. Remember that one? Yep. Uh, I think that came out when I was a kid. Um, okay. I was. I think in you're first, barely an adult, so I would assume. Yeah, that, yes, I was like first or second grade, either or. And that's number five. Yep. yep. Okay, so that was the last one. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So that was like the, it just came out, um, and I was in first or second grade, and I had a friend named uh, Garrett, and I used to go to his house all the time, and um, so what happened was usually when I, when I would watch a movie. Um, I'd have to get permission from my dad, so I'd go to his phone, okay. and I'd call and say, Dad, can I watch this movie? And he'd say yes or no. Um, this was the one time I didn't ask for permission. <laughs> uh, this was back in my heathen days. Um, okay. you know, so I, I, I go to the phone. Um, I, I didn't go to the phone, and uh, my, my friend's dad asked me, are you allowed to watch this? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's like, do you want to call your dad? I was like, no, he's going to say yeah. Uh, obviously, he wouldn't have said yeah. Uh, but I really wanted to see it, uh, so I rebelled against my parents, watched it, didn't really know what was going on. All I remember is that there was traffic lights involved. Okay. There was like traffic cameras or something like that. Okay. Um, but it was a long, long time ago. Uh, it came out in 2013. Okay. Oh, wait. No, I'm thinking of the wrong one then. There's another Die Hard that came out before then. You're thinking Live Free or Die Hard. Live Free, Die Hard. That's live Free, Die Hard. That I'm one thinking. I know. That, one, uh, yeah. that one's got Justin Long When did in that it? one come out? 2007. Ah, see? There you go. 2007. So, that was like in first grade, I think. Yes, that one's got the fire sale. That's where they, uh, they're, anyways, I, I don't remember the exact plot, but that was got um, uh, Silent Bob uh, is in it, and Justin Long is in it, and that's the first one back since the original trilogy that came out in the 80s, early 90s. So um, I have that one on, on DVD, I think. I think I've got that one on DVD. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that's uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Uh, Good Day to Die Hard is the fifth one. I don't remember anything of that movie. Never saw it? I, I know. I watched it in the background, uh, but I've watched the other ones so much, I really need to go back and watch. Uh, even even Live Free or Die Hard. I've seen that one five or six times. I really need to go back and watch uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. So yeah, so let's start with the, the first movie, plot of the first movie. Uh, we've got John McClane, played by... Bruce Willis. Uh, and Hans Gruber, uh, played by Alan Rickman. Yeah. Uh, and we've got... Who else is in there? We've got um, Reginald Johnson. Is that his name? The dad from um, uh, Family Matters? I don't know, but we got Holly. That's uh, the that, wife. That's the wife. And that's Bonnie uh, Bedella. Bedelia? Bedelia, yes. Who was the uh, the mom on Parenthood, one of my favorite shows. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so oh, and then we got the guy from Family Matters. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Reginald Vell Johnson. Sergeant Al Powell. And uh, a whole bunch of other people. A whole bunch of other people. Yep. So, and in the plot, uh, Bruce Willis is trying to win back his wife, or at least see her, trying to whatever. And so he goes to her company at the Yakutomi Tower, and uh, terrorists... 
German terrorists come in, take yes. over. Because or Swiss, I think. No, they're German. Are they're they? German. Yeah. The German. Because he's Hans, Hans Gruber. My name is Hans, yes. and I'm here to take over your hotel. <laughs> so... So they so they meet uh, they uh, they're they're there they're taking over the tower and John McClane without shoes uh, yeah takes, takes him out he does no shoes so uh, you tell me um, uh, your impression your your favorite moments of that first of that first movie favorite moments um, I gotta say what I told you about earlier okay uh, they my, weren't I, the, the, the listeners weren't there earlier yeah right right but I'm going to I'm going to explain. What that is? Okay, it's it's the peak of the movie. Peak it's, of the movie. It's the, okay, it's the it's the moment where the the whole film comes together. Okay, uh, so you know throughout the whole movie, I love how they have, um, you know, uh, John and Hans are separated the whole time. They don't right. see each other, yep. but they're talking through this radio. Um, they they know about each other. They know that that uh, Hans knows that uh, that John McCain and McCain and McCain <laughs> McClane. John McCain is a completely different movie. If yeah. John McCain is the hero, <laughs> it is a completely different movie. So John, you know, he's taking out Hans's guys, and Hans has no idea who this guy is. And eventually, Hans goes down. Uh, he goes up to the roof, mm-hmm. um, and then he figures out uh, he, he he figures out who John is. And in the moment, John looks at him. He's about to shoot him. He's all pissed off. He's like, he's having a good time. He's, he points the gun to his face. And in that moment is the best acting I've ever seen in my life. Hans goes from, how can you do, sir? To, help me, sir. You know, he go, he changes his accent. He turns into an American. Yeah. And then uh, Bruce Willis or John has no idea that this is the guy that he's been trying to go right. after the whole movie. And then, uh, anyways, that's the peak. We think that he doesn't know. Oh, he definitely doesn't know. No, he definitely does. He gives him the gun with no bullets. That's right. He did know. <laughs> How could I forget? Yeah, he gave him the that gun was with even, no bullets. That, was, that part was even better. Yeah. That, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so they went over that in great detail. That's right. In the, uh, the Netflix documentary, The Movies That Made Us, excellent right. series. Uh, I have not seen the Dirty Dancing one because I don't care, uh, but the other ones on there I've seen. And so they talk about how – uh, they hadn't that they hadn't planned that scene in the movie, and they were at the craft services table and were asking Alan like, "Hey, do you have an American accent?" And he was looking to do like a California accent, and so he did it. And they're like, "That's we'll do that. We'll do yes. that." Like a different guy. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah. So you said that was the the best acting. Another thing I really enjoyed from that documentary was they talked about the fall at the end. And now, okay, so this I didn't say spoiler alert, but guys, seriously, this movie came out like when I was born. So. If, if they haven't seen him by now, there's a problem. It's on you. But anyway, so he's falling off the roof, and um, when they were doing that, they were they said, we're going to count down three, two, one, and we're going to drop you. And they said three and dropped him, and it right. scared him, and he was like, oh! So the look of terror on his face is That's like, right. I forgot about did. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that was the first movie, plot of the first movie. John McClane wins. Uh, there's a whole lot of plot holes in there, and we'll come back to the first movie in our, our questions there uh, at the end because we're going to spend our, our time – because uh, that's the one you're most familiar with. We'll, we'll right. talk about that one. The second movie, John McClane comes back at Christmas. Um, he so he so in the first movie he goes from New York to L.A. and this one he comes from L.A. back to New York, uh, and they're trying to do something with the planes. I'm trying to remember. It's it's another, you know, he's got to save the world or whatever. I remember that one less just because it's kind of murky plot wise to me. But the, it was just one of those movies where they made a lot of money yeah, and decided to make one. the second one. Yeah. Now the third one. I really, it's, it, I really enjoy it. I'm not going to say it's my favorite. Which but, one is it? Uh, it's uh, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and that's one with Samuel L. Jackson. Ooh. And so in that one, uh, that one I remember the plot a lot because, like I said, I really enjoyed that one. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? It's going to drive me crazy. He was he was Scar on Lion King. Uh, Jeffrey Irons. Jeffrey Irons. 
uh, is the villain, and he's Hans Gruber's brother, and so oh. he's come back to target. There's beef. I, there is There's and beef so, there. So he um, he's targeted a school. He's gonna blow up a school, and so he won't. That's just tell, messed up, man. It is. So he won't tell them where it is unless John McClane wears this very racist sandwich board sign and nothing else on it, and goes in the middle of Harlem. And so like he's so, wearing, he's like naked wearing this sign, in and he's Harlem. a cop. That yeah. wouldn't work in 2021. It would not. It would no. not. Well, Samuel L. Jackson's character ends up saving him, pulls him in the in the taxi cab, and he's like, this is what's going on. Uh, and so they have to go and solve all these riddles together. Uh, and it's got Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis. I, I, you can't beat it. You can't. You the can't. only way you could beat it is you put Sylvester Stallone in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, We're going to go, go save the school. I mean, he'd have to be the villain. So yeah, yeah. Sylvester Stallone is the yeah. villain. Yeah, he good. could be the be villain. Good. That'd be good. So, um, so these three games, the original trilogy was released in a PlayStation 1 game. It was a Die Hard trilogy game series, and each movie was a different game style. So the first game, the first movie, um, was a third-person shooter where you would go floor by floor through the tower, like, killing Just the villain. execute. Yeah. And so he had bloody feet, and, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun playing that one. The second one was like your typical arcade shooter where you would see the, the target reticle and they, they would like pop up from behind something and you have to shoot them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the game controller, it's just not as fun That's as it is with terrible. the gun. Yeah. We didn't play that one a whole lot. That one was really difficult. But my favorite game was the third one where you had to drive this taxi cab to like find the bombs and you could like call an ambulance and pull behind the ambulance and like he would they would plow through all the cars and the traffic and stuff. And if you went really fast, um, the Samuel Jackson character would go, "Hold on, you'll go, you'll make us go back in time." And the they whole, just don't make games like that. They no don't. More. They yeah. don't. Fantastic games. I need to find that on an emulator somewhere and play because yeah, I played that a lot. Speaking of emulators, I'm about to get a little off topic. Okay, but not fine. too off topic. If you buy the new Xbox, you can do emulators. On oh yeah, it. yeah. I don't know if it's legal, <laughs> but I found a YouTube video on how to do it. How so you if you it? guys just bought the new Xbox for uh, Christmas this year. Make sure you go on YouTube and figure out how to do an emulator. It's got emulators from PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. Uh, oh, then it's definitely illegal. Then. It's definitely illegal. Yeah. Uh, they got like Nintendo <laughs> emulator. It's crazy, but I'm sure you maybe find that Bruce Willis game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I probably could. I'm sure I probably could. I'll have to I'll take a look and see. Um, so uh, next question. We have uh, – they, they make this – they have this discussion on the Office episode Money from Season 4 okay. where, where Michael is working uh, – selling ephedrix which is a diet pill and so or ephedrine whatever it is somebody's shouting at their their radio right now going this is what it is anyway it doesn't matter um so uh but he's talking to these other people about this concept this idea that john mcclain in the first movie is this run-of-the-mill cop you know he's a good cop he does what he does well right but he's a run-of-the-mill cop and you know he's got a scrounge to get weapons whatever else and then you fast forward to the fourth movie where he like sends a police car off a ramp up into a helicopter to destroy it. You just know, he, a bad A. Yeah, he's yeah. a super cop, super cop. So, uh, so That's let's what talk, I want to be one day. Let's talk about uh, Bruce Willis, the evolution of Bruce Willis. First off, they talk about in the documentary, uh, the movies that made us, where he was a rom-com sitcom star. That's right. I and, forgot about that. And became his first serious yeah. movie. And so when they saw him, they're like, this is hilarious. Like this guy, you know, it'd be like Michael Scott playing, you know, well, not Michael Scott because that's not a romantic comedy. I'm trying to think of a romantic comedy sitcom now. Um, I guess we can kind of go with Ryan Reynolds before Deadpool. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, cause he was in, uh, two guys growing a pizza place. So that would have been a, yeah. a kind of more romantic situation. Um, but he made the transition. Or Channing for- Tatum. 
Channing Tatum, he's but he's built. Like he it's, built. it's a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you're right. We're you're gonna right. go. We're gonna go with. Uh, we're gonna go with Steve Carell. Steve Carell as yeah, an action star. Yeah, that would be like yeah. I don't know that's gonna work. Um, you know, really, or Andy Dwyer. You know, you got uh, Chris <laughs> Pratt with it. It was it was unsure, untested as far as what he was going to be able to bring yeah. to the table. Um, so anyway, so we go from that to this this super cop. Uh, so what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Being a police officer. Or I'm not a police officer yet. Police officer in training. Get there. A PIT. There. PIT. <laughs> I'm a pit. Yeah, an armpit. Hey, you're an ar- yeah. yes, That's good. <laughs> that's good. So what? Uh, so so looking at at Bruce Willis as a police officer, what are your what are your thoughts there? Uh, I think um, every cop in America should emulate uh, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Um, he is the savior of the world. Um, uh, if it wasn't for Jesus, uh, he would be number two. Uh, not Chuck Norris. Uh, oh, you know what? Not Sylvester Stallone. Ooh, now you're making me second guess. <laughs> if I had to put them all in, in a basket okay. of the best uh, men who made America, uh, Bruce Willis would definitely be thrown in there. He'd be thrown in there, okay. Um, he is, uh, he's, got, he's a very, what's funny about the first movie is that although he's got like his, his action uh, seriousness to it, um, you can tell that he still has his like comedic side okay. thrown yeah. in there, yeah. right? So he's got like these, these funny one-liners yeah. that... That like that's what makes a movie, uh, because it could be completely serious, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie the whole time. But I think what makes Die Hard Die Hard is Bruce Willis's comedic side. Okay, it's where he says like he throws in some one-liners and then you chuckle, and it just makes it adds flavor to the movie. But he but he's not afraid to chop your head off. There you go. And that's what we need. That's what we want. I like it. You know. I think too is is you're right. His attitude in the first couple movies is is much more like. I'm doing this. I'm kind of enjoying myself doing this. Whereas in the last couple of movies, he's very much the hardened, too much hardened old. You know, yeah, I can't believe they're doing this. What you know? What I mean, he just he's not the, not yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. That's why Lethal Weapon's so good. One of the best cop movies ever. It's a great, great movie. Yeah, great movie. And and as Lethal Weapon progresses, it gets more comedic. This is true. But yeah, when you had Joe Pesci in, and then yeah, Chris yeah. Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, let's change gears just a little bit, okay? I want you. We'll, we'll keep your cop hat on, okay? okay? All right. You're John McClane. Oh. What would you have done differently? Oh, differently. As a police officer in that situation. Gosh, I don't know. He kind of did a. He did a fantastic job. I mean, job. he came out on top. He did. He did. Man, what would I do differently? Um. I would say, uh, I guess you know his communication with the other cops. Uh, you know what? Scratch that. We're going to pretend like that was never part of the podcast <laughs> uh, because he was communicating with the cop. I, I wouldn't change anything. Okay. Uh, what he did was fantastic. He kept in comms with the sergeant that was down there. Yeah. Um, uh, matter of fact, what I would change was the officer on char- in charge's behavior. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the guy that's down there that's telling the sergeant, hey, knock it off. You need to get it off the radio. Yeah. That was uncalled for. Okay. Because we could obviously tell that John is a cop. We can obviously ch- tell that John is helping the situation. Sergeant has this rapport built with with uh, with John, mm-hmm. and uh, they're doing a great job. I think what's screwing up the whole operation is the cops down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Instead of the uh, the APC, yeah, into the front there, like we're going to storm it. Yeah, they, they, they ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined yeah. it. All right. Well, let's uh, switch hats there. Okay. You're now Hans Gruber. Oh. What do you do differently? What would I do differently? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that doesn't put you on a watch list. You know, you get in the mind of a German terrorist. But uh. um, obviously, you're smart enough um, to get to where you were in the first place. Uh, they, you can tell when they when they got in control of the building, 
Um, they knew what they were doing. Uh, they had a plan. They had probably rehearsed this a bunch of times, um, especially the first time when they walked through the lobby. Like It's like boom, 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 boom. Uh, they know what they're doing. They've rehearsed it. Um, what I would have done differently is I think it was kind of dumb that uh, he didn't conceal his appearance. Okay. So Hans is trying to commit the, the, the crime, the biggest crime of all time, and get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, everyone knows who he is. So even if he gets you know, uh, what he wants from this, he's going to be America's top wanted. Everyone's going to know who he is. <laughs> right. It's, okay. it's not going to work well for him. I got you. But uh, what I would have done differently is conceal who I am. Um, and then another thing is uh, you got the smart guys. and You can't defeat John Mc, uh, McCain. I'm going to say John McCain. John McCain. <laughs> And so, uh, man, do you not know how to make an IED? Do you not know how to make some bombs? I mean, literally, just throw some IEDs all around, uh, a set of perimeter with IEDs, right? So if John McClane uh, tries to, uh, to get up to his level or, or tries, to, tries to take out his guys, he just blew off his legs. And now, mission accomplished. Yeah. You just got to get those codes and you're good. Well, and two, how many stories are in this building? <sighs> man. Two dozen? Two dozen, and you get how many guys? Uh, not that many. Not that many. I mean, it's a that very large building for that them to true. really try to, you know, to try and take control of. Right. You know, um, it's not a bigger team, man. but the bigger big- the team, the harder it would have been to get in. This is true. I, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it was almost a perfect crime. Almost perfect. On crime. Christmas, because it's a Christmas movie. All right, you well, almost ruined Christmas. Well, let's let's uh, update it. Let's update the movie. Okay. okay, I want you to recast the main characters of Die Hard, and no special Stallone cannot play John McClane. So, current actors, Jesus, wow, current, job. current actors, yeah, rebooting current. it, rebooting it today. Ooh, you know what? Let's do this. Let's pull up a current actors list. Current. Best <laughs> actors: Steve Carell as John McClane. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, listen, they've already done a reboot of it, but they just called it no, Paul, yeah, but they called it Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> Honestly, they did a great job. You know, I mean, you got you got the group of terrorists that comes in. And they just didn't have a German down. terrorist, uh, and it was at Christmas. It was at Christmas, it was. not a Christmas movie, but it, it was is at a Christmas, Christmas movie. That's also uh, a Christmas. And then you movie. got you got Paul Blart, who's uh, who's trapped in the mall with them, and uh, you know, I don't know that he takes his shoes off, but oh, man, this is hard. New guys, you know, new actors suck. I'm just throwing it out there. You don't have to do um, new guys. You could do somebody who's not. Who's who's done stuff before? I'm just thinking, who do you, who do you cast as John McClane? Who's who's got the chops to, to pull that off? <clears throat> He's got to be American, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, no, uh, you know it's screw it. Sylvester Stallone. I uh, know, not Sylvester Stallone. You said anyone uh, but Sylvester Stallone. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is an that's old not what dude. I meant. I meant to say Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's also an old dude. Gosh, yeah, but you know he's an old retired cop. You know, okay, no, screw that. Can, okay, um, can you see we're gonna Arnold back. Schwarzenegger running through a building and diving through a window and jumping off the side? No, I could. He's gonna break a hip. That would be an awesome movie. <laughs> it would totally not. He's I in love. A wheelchair the I would time. tell you, man. When I see Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in modern, like the Expendables, and they're old and they're flipping through stuff and they're blowing stuff up, man. That gets my testosterone pumping through With, my body. The, the Expendables. That movie came out like a decade ago. Oh, they're still in shape. Sylvester <laughs> Stallone's making a new movie. Oh, a new it. action movie. It. It's probably going to be a terrible movie, but I'm going to watch it anyways. Listen, he, he looks rough in it. It looks rough in just about everything he's in. The no. Expendables came out in 2010. That's true, but they, they had Expendables 3 that probably came out, what, I think, like 2013? That's probably a good guess. Probably a good guess. Um, all right, so uh, you're, you're bombing here. You're bombing. So I who, am. Who do we put? Who's a, who's a funny action guy? <sighs> funny action guy today. Uh, throw, spit out some movies. 
Uh, actually, you know what the problem think, is? It's 2020. You mentioned right. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, you know, I, I could see him pulling it off. He you know what? I could jobs. see him. Uh, I could I, see him pulling it off. I don't see off. Chris Pratt doing it. No. I don't see Chris Pratt. I could see, I could see uh, Chris Pine. You, wait, you Captain know what? You know who America I can see? The Thor guy. Uh, Leo, uh, uh, Liam Hemsworth, is that his name? Yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Liam's his brother. So yeah, so Chris Hemsworth. Okay, I can see. I can see that. I. You know what? I can see Chris Hemsworth as Hans Gruber. Yeah, because he's he can do like a little German. Yeah, a little accent there, and it's Australian. It's Australian, but but Americans know the difference. You know what? Screw it. Yeah, throw him in there. So he's he's the villain. Ryan Reynolds is. That would be a funny. I'm gonna go see it. I would see it. it. Okay, so who's 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 the cop in the parking lot? Ooh, uh, I think Chris Pratt would be a good one. That would be funny. Chris Pratt would be funny. Yeah, though. because you know the there. sergeant was he was he was a funny guy. Yes. You know, done um, okay, who's the limo driver? Ooh, uh I'm picturing Chris like, Rock. I am picturing Aziz on sorry. Aziz on sorry is yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, I can see that one. I can see him pulling that one off. Or um uh uh who's the guy that was on Stuber? Um Kumal Nanjiani or whatever. Uh he was also on um uh, Lovebirds and anyways, not I, ringing a bell, but I trust you. Yeah, I think he, I think he pulled it off too. Uh, all right, so um, who is uh, who's Liam Neeson? He's the love interest. Liam Neeson's the love interest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different movie. It's yeah. his dad. It's, it's twenty twenty one, man. It's John McClane's dad. He goes, yes. it's his dad at Christmas. And and That's the, right. And the whole time, his dad's getting in the way. His yeah. dad's getting in the way. Like he's a, he's a, he's a retired cop as well. I'm gonna find you. Yeah, he's a retired cop. And he's like, Dad, stop. You know, yeah. Like, it's a different movie, but I, I can see. The and Seth MacFarlane, <laughs> he's a director. I like it. That would be a crazy movie. Listen, I'd go see it. I'd, I'd go see, see it. it. I'd yeah. go see it. Um, all right. Well, let's let's change gears. Let's talk ministry stuff. Um, uh, I did not. Uh, I don't know if I gave you this topic or not. We're gonna talk FPC after dark. So, uh, after so dark. why don't you start telling us what uh, what is FPC? I have dark? no idea. I'm just kidding. Okay, so the FPC after dark. Uh, obviously, FPC. What does it stand for? First Baptist Church. Yes, we are First Baptist Church of Alachua. Um So we were trying to think of a. Uh, a service um, that was geared um, for, well, let me back up for a second. So um, something that I had noticed is that oftentimes we go to like youth camp or we have these D-Nows and we have like this crazy awesome worship experience, um, uh, great messages, like just just a powerful, powerful experience. I I think anyone that's been to a youth camp, uh, whether they're a believer or not, can see by the fruits that are being produced on uh, of how powerful um, those moments can be. And so like something I want to do is that like, why not have those experiences every month at a church? Why does it have to be like a, we do it once in the summer we do it, You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and something that, that, you know, oftentimes we go to like a, a, a camp and, um, we have like these famous bands come out or, or we have like these different pastors come out, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it changes, but, but what I would like to see is like, um, as an experience just like that, but with the people that we have on our church. So like, um, the, the worship team that we have at church to, to, to produce an environment like that. Um, but you know, this environment you could see, it's like, it's a, it's in a very, a very expressive, um, environment for people when they're worship, uh, when they worship, not to be, um, uh, afraid to express how they feel, um, not to be afraid of how they shout. And, and oftentimes like, you know, Baptist churches get the stigma of, uh, you know, the, the older 40 year old man having his, 
jeans tucked into his plaid shirt with his hands in his pockets, staring straight face uh, while everyone's singing. Um, and so like, I, I want to break that. I want to break that cycle because um, I feel like, and this is something that I had struggled with when I had first come into church was I didn't know what worship was. You know, I, I just, I thought it was just a, a, a time of corporate a feeling where you would just sing a song and mm-hmm. it was about Jesus right. and we'd, you know, happy, happy do die all the way every day um, kind of thing. And um, it took me a while to understand that worship was like, was something powerful. It's, 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 it's a heart posture that you, you give towards God, putting him above everything else. Um, and through that, I mean, when you, when you, when you do put God above everything else, naturally your, your heart um, expresses your, your heart um, shows fruit of that. So you'll, you'll, you know, you'll feel like maybe, um, sometimes you'll hear God speak in a different way. Um, sometimes, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like the drive to just want to fall on your face. You, you'll, you'll have, you'll have the, uh, something inside of you tell you to put those hands up something, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, and sometimes we, we come to Sundays on these environments to where it's just very corporate, where it's very, um, uh, you know, we're going to do two songs and we're going to get out of here. We're not letting the spirit move. Or we're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. We're not being dynamic. And what produces from that is n- non-fruit producing uh, worship experiences. I'm not saying that's how it always is. Um, but I feel like if if you just allow the Holy Spirit to say, hey, we're going to we're not going to put a time limit on this. Right. right. We're going to we're going to go for an extra hour. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit says, you know, we're going to break up into small groups, even though this is supposed to be a, a 10 song worship experience. We're going to you know, we're, we're going to you know, we're just going to follow God wherever he wants us to go. Um, we would do like a, a service geared towards Generation Z, um, which is, you know, like uh, a dimmer light service, you know, uh, where you can feel more intimate. Um, uh, oftentimes, you know, you, you have. When you when you have lights off, it's like a psychological thing to where uh, you feel like you're alone. You right. feel like you're just uh, with God. You you don't feel like anyone's around you. And oftentimes, sometimes, especially when you're new to the church, uh, you're afraid of what everyone else is thinking about you. But if you create an environment to where um, expression is accepted, mm-hmm. um, then I feel like a lot of fruit can be uh, produced from that. Um, so what we would want to do is just have a, a an experience once a month to where we had a worship service um, and a sermon um, that would just be, there would be no time limit. Um, we would come in ready to just uh, be a part of a, a dynamic experience where God tells us where he wants to go and we'd listen um, and we do, I think what church is supposed to be um, yeah. not just a place where we come on Sundays, a place there we, we want to keep on coming to, we, yeah. we, we just, it's not like a, we're, we're checking off something off our list. It's like, man, I can't wait for FBC after dark. Yeah. Um, just kind of how camp is. Yeah. So, so I, I think there's several things there to unpack. Um, <clears throat> so let me, let me start with just the idea of a non-time limit service, because if you were to ask our church staff, we would say, well, we don't have an end time for our service. However, there are certain things on a Sunday morning that cause you to have kind of a natural need for a break. Right, absolutely. You know, you got lunch coming up. Right. You know, and you can go longer and people can wait. Just but, fasting. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, you know, if it's in the evening after a meal, you're not as likely to have to have that, that cap. Right. You know, that, that we need to end it here, um, which I think is, is, a, is a key point there. Like why we're doing this as an evening service, uh, number one, 
uh, it's it's more likely that that a college student next gen is going to want to participate in something that is in an evening rather than in an early morning. Not 100%. If there's a, a football game, people get up at whatever time they need to to get to where they need to go. Right. Um, <laughs> but another thing you mentioned, you're talking about a contextualized service. And I don't think it's wrong for us to look at uh, the different generations and say that they're different. I right. don't think it's wrong for us to do that. And in a in a corporate worship service, when you have the entire church, you're trying to be all things to all people, and stuff it tends to fall through the cracks. You know. So if you were to, to, to push heavy... Um, a next-gen style of music, you know, and people would ask, well, what is that? Uh, more current songs, uh, repeated choruses, you know, more free-flowing. Um, while that will speak to, you know, a Gen Zer, uh, it may be confusing to somebody who grew up singing hymns and go, where is the spiritual depth and, and richness of these lyrics we're just repeating the same thing over and over again. Uh, and so um, when you start trying to hit both of those sides, you're right, you do lose something. And so, you know, we're, we're not saying that, that this service is better, you know. Right. We're just contextualizing it for a specific age group. Right. Just like every culture is different, you know. And, if you know, we, uh, we have a great relationship with uh, St. Matthew's Baptist Church, which is down the road from us. And they have a different culture than we do. And their right. worship service looks different. Right. But it's so great. It's still great. It's, yeah. it's it's exactly what their church needs, and and I think you look at any culture, and you're going to need to do that. And what you and and Pastor Kyle have been talking about is how do we contextualize this to be beneficial for our our college students, uh, but also our older high school students, uh, and even our you know our young adults. Like, and like, even yeah, I was gonna say, and even like, um, you know, even older people that that want to um, express themselves, but they might feel pressured that, you know, they're in that age group where they can't. Right. Um, So like having an environment open for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, One of the things that I've been, as you guys have been walking through this process, been trying to help you with is understanding the why, you know, because we can come up with these great ideas and not have a great idea of why we're doing it. And then it causes us to be blown around, you know? And so you and I, you and I talked about, you know, um, fog in the worship center or lights, you know, and I'm right. asking you why, why do we need to do this? Why do, why do we need to do this? Uh, and so, um, overarching, why do we need a contextualized service for college students? Why do we need that? So, um, <clears throat> I'll say you want to start off with like, just like the, the just, parts of the, of the service. Uh, just, I, I'm thinking more, um, higher level, more, um, just like, big idea. Okay. Why do we why do we even begin to plan this? Not why do we use these parts, but like why do we even want to begin thinking about a contextualized service for college students? Right. Because like going back to what we're talking about, we want them to feel welcomed. We yeah. want we don't want someone from Gen Z um, say they've never been to church before. I think something let me back up for a second. When I first came to youth group, um, I was not expecting what I saw. Um I, I went to a youth group in like seventh or sixth grade um, one time. I barely remember any of it, um, but I went with my buddy. Um, it was an old church. Um, all I remember was I played pool. Okay. And then we went inside. Is it dying? No, 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 oh. no. Uh, <laughs> so all I remember is that we, we played pool. Afterwards, we went into the sanctuary, listened to a sermon, Um I was bored out of my mind. It was like we're sitting in church pews. I wasn't, I didn't comprehend anything that was going on. Um, and I left completely spiritually dead, just how I was before I came into the service. Um, and it's not because the way that 
that the, the preacher was preaching anything bad. It was just my attention wasn't held. Um, I, I was younger. Uh, I think it's just uh, a psychological thing. Um, and so when I first came to uh, your youth group, I was, I was expecting something completely different. I was expecting to come and sing hymns out of a hymn book. I was expecting <laughs> there to be like these church pews. And then my buddy took me upstairs and there was lights and there was games and uh, the, the sermon was just like, it was just like uh, uh, uplifting, encouraging, um, uh, energetic. And so I, I came there um, with the tables flipped um, mm. and it held my attention. I wanted to keep on coming back and keep coming back. And I felt accepted. I didn't feel like I, I came somewhere where I had to be fake or I didn't come somewhere where, you know, I have to pretend like this is fun. Um, and so not that making it fun is part uh, is a, is a big deal but why can't we have ministry that's fun and yeah, you truth. don't want you don't want people to be, be bored out of their miserable. mind you know right. it's not saying that that you can't have negative emotions and it still be uplifting you, right. know, you know what i mean it's like, like a work environment yeah you, you, you can you can come to a, a a worship service and feel challenged and convicted and those are not always positive feelings and go this is still worth me coming um jd greer says that the gospel is offensive and we should make every effort to make the rest of our time no hurdles like make the rest of it not offensive so like make everything else i want to be there right but when we get to the message it's going to offend you yeah i mean that's just how the gospel is um and so so the other side i don't think there's nothing wrong with with making it fun at all um because that's also you want them to be there right so going back like having these kids uh, or just anybody in general to have an experience where um it's not you know maybe someone is afraid to come to church because they have negative, um, uh, negative, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, negative attachments to old school services. Maybe they right. grew up a uh, hell, uh, fire a and bad brimstone. History. They got a bad church. Right, history. right, right. And so they're thinking, you know, I'm going to come to this church and it's going to be the same old thing. The pastor's going to tell me I'm going to hell, give me my money. And, and so like, that's what they're thinking. Um, but if we create an environment to where it's like this is a fresh new perspective yep. of the gospel, um, it's the same way of songs, right? Or s- preaching sermons. Yep. Why do we preach the same thing over and over again? We just preach it in a different way, in a freshing way. So, like having a service in a new, freshing way, I think a refreshing way will will help students come and, and feel accepted and want to keep on coming back and and tell their friends about it and be like, hey, this was actually really cool. Um, just like youth camp. I mean, how many kids right. in your youth group? Um, come to uh, church camp and then how many kids that come out of nowhere for church camp? Yeah, you're right. Right. You're right. Kids that, that, that you only see them at special events. Right. Um, they, they, yeah. I, I hear you. Um, you said something that, that, that sparked something you were talking about um, uh, bad church histories, you know? Um, and I think another piece of why we want to have a contextualized college service is because church history is, not as common of a thing anymore. It's becoming less common that someone has any kind of church history. They just don't go. Right. You know, it's not like something that's necessarily passed down generationally like it used to be that you would just go to church because right. this is what you do. And so you have people that have no church context. And actually, the only church context they have is what they see on in TV. media. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it like puts, Footloose. <laughs> it, yeah, you're right. But it, it puts Christianity at odds with what they hold as important. Right. Uh, and while that may be true in certain contexts, it's not the totality of what we believe, but it's what we're loudest on. Right. And so I think having a contextualized service, you're able to go, Hey, these things that are important to you, 
they are important to Jesus as well. Uh, and and it's important. I mean, the missionaries, when they go across the world, they don't take what they do and they take it there. Good missionaries go into a community, understand the culture, and then contextualize right. their mission to be able to reach those 100%. people. 100%. Uh, and here's another thing. I know we're talking a lot about um, of serving and, and, and reaching out to the lost and everything. But I think another thing um, that I see is that sometimes I feel like churches fail to recognize that worship isn't just singing a song because I mean, right. if you look at the history of the Bible, what does worship mean? It, get, it means to get on your face. It's, it's putting God um, above everything in your life, right? It's right. a heart posture. And so for some people, you know, singing a song might not, you know, be their expression of worship, but uh, I think embracing, Hey, do you want to mix uh, the live stream? Hey, do you want <laughs> right. to? Do you want to make yeah. graphics? Do you want to? Do you want to run lights? Do you, and then people right. are worshiping through that. And I think sometimes churches uh, see um, these mega churches that are doing this, and and they they have like this negative um, uh, view of how they're running the church, and they're they're overproducing worship. They're overproducing. But I think pastors sometimes fail to recognize, or the church in general just fails to recognize that mixing is an act of worship yeah. that that yep. running lights is yep. an act of worship for somebody. Right. Right. And so like, um, yeah, singing a song is great, but like, I want to have an environment for not only, um, lost people before like people that are already a part of our church that want to express their worship in a different way. Right. Um, and I think we're talking about an extended time too. You know, we, we have a time limits on Sunday morning just by design. Um, but sometimes, you know, that third song, you still got your walls up. You still got your walls up. Hundred percent. Fourth song. Still got your walls. Still up. got your walls up. You know, but you get in the sixth or seventh song. The bricks are starting to come down. The Lord's been beating on that door. You know, he's going. I'm, I'm, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. You've been sitting here and you've refused to sing, but you sat here and listened for seven songs. Um, those words begin to Amen. really just tug at your heart. So. I think another thing with that is like as you go through worship. I think another thing is I learned this in anthropology. It was called communitas, and it's it's whenever. Um, there's a there's a culture of people, right? Um, say uh, one person starts clapping in a room. Mm-hmm. Naturally, other people are going to start clapping. Right. Right. Um, so like in a church, when you keep on going through worship songs and you see people starting to respond to God, they right. start they start to think in their mind, what's going on here? Right. And as worship keeps on going, and if you just stop at the th- third song, maybe you didn't reach that point, but if you keep on going to song number 10, Maybe someone's going to step back and say, you know what? Maybe I should respond to this. Maybe I should open my heart up right now. And and so, like, as, you know, the, the church slowly starts to to open up in worship, I think people that are hesitant to open up in worship, uh, worship end up doing that. I'm laughing because I'm thinking, like, what would a youth Wednesday night be if we did 90% worship and, like, 10% like a sermon? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. like, what, like, we come in and we're like, we can go with worship. And, like, we just hoodwink the kids. And it's, like, six songs. And I'm going to preach for 10 minutes on the importance of, of praising the Lord. And, like, six more songs. Yeah, you know right. I mean? Like, that would be, be kind of fun. I, don't know, I, don't I feel like that would be good curveball. Hey, it's, that's dynamic. That's moving. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, that's good. Yeah, I'm putting that one, taking that away. Um, all right, so we are at our college retreat um, right now. We were going to go to Passion. Passion uh, was canceled because of COVID. The reason why we haven't done FBC after dark is because we were getting ready to start in March, right. uh, and then COVID happened, and we weren't able to meet for a long time. And and there are all these other hurdles. What are some hurdles you see right now? These are things that we're going to have to overcome, or anyone who's wanting to do something similar is going to have to overcome in their own context. Like, what are the hurdles you look at and you go, man, we've got to figure that out? So I think uh, first of all, just like the whole. COVID-19 policies uh, of social distancing, not a lot of, um, I think 
at the beginning it was worse. You know, you, you're right. stuck in your house. There's nothing you can do. Um, but now I think you know what we're gonna have to work through is um, is marketing um, because mm-hmm. you obviously you know we can we can tell our church we can tell people in our church we can tell our college group right now and that most of them were probably gonna show up. Um, but we want to reach other people. You know, we want to go onto college campuses and and do those things. So I think right now it sucks because. Uh, High schools aren't going to let us go on their right, campus and, right. and spread word by mouth. Uh, colleges aren't going to let us go on campus and spread word by mouth. Um, so how do we market? And I think mm. uh, a huge thing, and we live in 2021, is through media. Yeah. And so, like, I I envision um, once we start, we, we get a date and we, we get a solid um, foundation of where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, social media is huge. I mean, listen – how much money do we have in our budget? Even if you don't have a lot of money in your budget, it's not that much right. to advertise, to produce. You can select a group of people in your area to push out um, like flyers out to yeah. on, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and so I think that would be a good way to do it. I think another way would to, would be um, to have people in your college group uh, post uh, right. what's going on in your yeah. church, uh, put it on their Instagram stories, on the Facebook stories, on the Instagram posts. Um, just like doing like a mass media um, promotion of what we're doing because obviously it's kind of hard to reach out to people right, right. now. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is just, uh, is the live streams in our church. Right. Um, I think that we're reaching like a whole different group of people. Um, now tell me if I'm wrong, but what was our church numbers before COVID? Like 200, 230. We were yeah. So right now, how many people are we getting inside of our congregation? Like 130. Yeah. 130. Uh, but when we look back at our live streams, sometimes we have like 200 views. Right, yeah. So where are those views coming from? And right. then you also got to think, if one person's viewing it, maybe it's a whole family. True. So we might be reaching a whole entire different group of people that right. we don't even know we're, 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 we're reaching out to. So if, even if we do FBC After Dark and we have low numbers, I want to have a great produced, a, yeah. a greatly produced live stream experience um, for, for someone that we don't even know right. who we're reaching out to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we might have, what, 30 uh, people watching the live stream, you might not think that's a big deal, but what if you have 30 groups of people watching right, the live true. stream yep. and you have 90 people, if there's three people in each yeah. and, uh, by each view. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, not being discouraged if not a lot of people show up, uh, but making sure that you have a good live stream, um, running. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing would, uh, going back is having a, a just a, a social media, uh, campaign before you, you begin. Uh, I wouldn't just do this. Let's say we're going to do this in a week. I would say if, plan this in two months and ahead and then just start pumping out, you know, these flyers, right. pumping out these things. So I got you. Well, John, I appreciate you hanging out uh, and chatting with us. Uh, I have had requests to have you back. And so I'm sure John McClain. John McClain. Uh, so, but yeah, but we are recording this from Ridgecrest and enjoying a good time. Yes. So uh, thank you again for hanging out with us and we'll see you guys next week. Yippee-ki-yay, mother trucker.